Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 152 of the Leading Learning Podcast. This time around, we talk with Kiki Latalian. Kiki is a creative technologist at the digital marketing consultancy Amplified Growth, and she's the host of Association Chat, an online community and weekly podcast. Before we get to that conversation with Kiki, though, we have a message from Next Thought, our sponsor for the third quarter of 2018. Brought to you by Next Thought, AssociationsNext.com is your opportunity to learn from some leading thinkers in e-learning and membership organizations, as well as giving you the chance to test drive the Next Thought LMS platform. In this educational series, you'll uncover new knowledge about instructional design, digital strategy, and staying true to your organization's long-term goals in the face of rapid change. Kiki Latalian, Tracy King, and Lowell Applebaum lead the first three modules, and more courses will be added on a monthly basis. Visit associationsnext.com to enroll and experience the revolutionary Next Thought LMS for yourself. So, Jeff, in what you were just talking about, I heard Kiki's name crop up. She's one of the experts involved with Associations Next. I'm guessing that was probably among the topics that the two of you discussed. Am I right? It was indeed. We actually start off by talking about digital strategy and what that really means, given that that's Kiki's expertise, and also a topic that really every learning leader needs to understand, at least at a basic level. And then we did turn to talking about the online course that Kiki created with Associations Next, which, as you might expect, is focused on digital strategy. And Kiki's been involved with other courses, both online and off, so I I wanted to get her perspective on what the experience is like as a subject matter expert and what advice she might give to organizations that work with SMEs to create learning experiences. And then last, but certainly far from least, Kiki is a podcaster herself, as you mentioned, and so I wanted to be sure to talk with her about the potential that she sees in podcasting as a medium. Now, I've known Kiki for many years. I've always found her both insightful and a true pleasure to talk to, and I think listeners will have the exact same reaction. Well, it sounds like we are in for a treat, so let's get on and roll the interview with Kiki Latalia. Hello out there. I'm Jeff Cobb. This is the Leading Learning Podcast, and today I'm talking with Kiki Latalian. Kiki is a creative technologist at Amplified Growth, which is a digital marketing consultancy specializing in social media, SEO, and voice-first marketing. 
She also hosts Association Chat, an online community and weekly live-streamed podcast, association-centric news and education outlet, which has run since 2009. Kiki, welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's great to finally connect with you on air. We've had many uh, conversations face-to-face over the years, but particularly knowing you're a podcaster, um, great for us to be podcasting together. And you know, I, I said a little bit about your your background, uh, what you do now, as uh, we were as I was introducing you. But I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of digital strategy. You know, what 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 is digital strategy for listeners who may not be tuned into that, and kind of what what do you do in your day to day work as a digital strategist? Oh, it's such a good question because digital strategy, I feel, is one of those things that people throw out there and everyone nods, but no one really knows exactly what that means. And and the reason why is there's a really good reason why. Um, it's because it's different for all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, um, you know, for me, what that means, what being a digital digital strategist means, means that I need to understand inbound social media, the role chatbots play, SEO, SEM, Google Analytics, influencer marketing, AR, VR, voice strategy, and understand the way that an organization's marketing stack works, you know, like how their AMS, their LMS, their CRM, marketing automation platforms, how all of that stuff fits in together. So what does digital strategist mean for me? It, it means that I'm probably doing two or three of the things that I just threw out there, um, focused in a way so that it achieves whatever it is that the client has, has reached out to me that they're trying to achieve. And so... Um, one great example of a project I'm working on right now is I'm working with an organization to reach a younger demographic um, in a very niche market of their trade and to bring them in to introduce them to the organization. And the way that we're doing that is through a combination of search engine optimization and social media strategy and some voice first content uh, production. So. There you go. <laughs> so basically, it sounds like if you're if you're a business, if you're an organization, I mean, you've you've got your strategy, obviously, or, or hopefully you do. You've got you know, yeah. these these objectives, these things that uh, you're trying to achieve to move the business forward, and then you bring digital into that to say, you know, how do we how do we use these tools that are out there now, whether it's social media, whether it's search engine optimization, um, and you know all the other ones you threw out. Uh, how do we use those to actually achieve our strategy? Yeah. I, I mean, that's exactly it. It's, 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 there's so much that's going on right now. So much that's changing as we all know with, with technology. And so I think a critical component that we all have to be working on, and it's perfect that I'm doing leading learning with, with Jeff Cobb here is, is that we all have to be learning. We all mm. constantly have to be learning. So I do too. And what that means is that, um, it's exciting and challenging to stay on top of the ways that people communicate. And none of these tools are staying the same, uh, you know, which is both good and bad. So, uh, the good thing about it is we're constantly finding new ways to engage with people and in a meaningful way that 
that can have a great impact. The challenge is that just when you think you've got it, just when an organization thinks they've got everything tricked out the way that they need to in order to reach uh, people so that they can get more members, get more donors, get more memberships um, uh, and attendees, then something changes. I can, and I, I imagine too that uh, it has to be sort of a um, you know a, a flavor of the moment or you know the the kind of uh, bright shiny object type syndrome that I, I I'm, I'm betting you have to deal with a lot of the time. I mean, do, do people show up and say yeah, we just need to do Instagram right now or we just need a chat bot right now? And and I'm I'm imagining you probably get that a lot and maybe have to get people to step back and think about it a little more holistically. I mean, they used to, uh, so it used to be more like that. Um, I'll, you know, I'll say that, yes, there's a little bit of that because usually by the time that they realize that they need to reach out and engage, uh, me, they have, they think that they know what they're looking for. They think they know that they need X to solve their problem. And, um, usually what happens is, I'll come in and say, well, maybe a little bit of X, but have you thought about why? And, um, and then, uh, things can kind of shift a little bit. I won't say they'll change completely, but oftentimes they'll shift. And, uh, these days there are certain things that are changing the game that, um, are more than just bright, shiny objects, especially when it comes to things like voice, voice first type stuff where, you know, um, we have more and more people who are using smart speakers and getting their news every morning from asking the air, you know, what their flash briefing is. So how are associations developing content for that? And how are they preparing for things like voice search? That, that type of stuff is the stuff that I think um, organizations really need to pay more attention to that is critical right now. Mm. And I have to admit that's one that uh, we we have not put a whole lot of thought into here uh, yet at Tagoras how we're going to deal with you know people asking uh, Alexa for things or Siri for things and and uh, what that means uh, for our business but uh, definitely definitely a growing area. Now I'm wondering um, you know obviously a lot of our listeners are uh, kind of wrestling with digital in their worlds the whole world of uh, online learning and how technology is intersecting with learning. Uh, and, and you're working with organizations like trade and professional associations that are obviously in that kind of education business. So, I mean, how, do, how are you seeing digital strategy and marketing intersect with, with what you see going on in the world of learning and education? Well, I think it's impossible not to see these things intersecting because, uh, you know, Everyone is trying to produce learning right now. You know, we were talking before the interview started just briefly and, and, you know, you were talking about how, you know, uh, while so many of your clients, they, they work for all types of organizations, many of them are associations. And I thought to myself, you know, anyone could be, be your client right now because everybody is learning 
uh, online. Everybody is producing learning. Mm-hmm. So like, for, for example, my neighbor fixed her washing machine by watching a YouTube video. And that YouTube video was not put out there by a company. It was a handyman who thought to record what he was doing and it solved a common problem. So digital marketing and learning and education are intertwined in a way that um, I, I don't know how they're going to not be intertwined in the future. Right. Um, it's awesome and it's frustrating all at the same time because there's a lot of really great quality stuff that's out there. Um, it, it is actually making it so that so many more people can learn so much more than ever before, regardless of class or, um, any, any sort of situation that they're in, but who safeguards the quality of the content and how do you make sure that you produce really excellent content? And how do you compete as an organization? And that's where digital marketing comes in. So it's um, it's an interesting time. And have you had more organizations or any organizations uh, even contact you specifically to say, we need a better marketing strategy, we need a better digital marketing strategy specifically to help us with selling our educational offerings? And so the way... Yes, kind of, um, the way that they do it so far, and this is just for me, I don't, you know, obviously I don't know how, uh, you know, anyone else who's, how they're getting, um, their requests, but for me, it's usually about bigger things, uh, that are more traditional, like their conferences, you mm-hmm. know, and they'll ask me to come, come in and create a campaign around their conferences. But I think that these days, the way that, that people really need to think about, you know, organizations need to look at uh, reaching out and being effective and bringing people into their like online education programs, um, even beyond what their conferences are, are doing, you know, really thinking things out and doing things like creating online challenges that are, you know, maybe free and lead potential attendees and students to exactly the type of content that they you know, the organizations want them to purchase. And this, this would look something like, um, I don't, by the way, I don't see nearly enough organizations doing this. Um, and I think that, I think it's something that everyone needs to think about. Um, the app developers have figured this out, by the way, a long time ago, mm. <laughs> because if you look at like near IL and his, you know, how hooked and how to get people engaged, But this looks like something like creating, for example, a five-day Facebook chatbot challenge. And it would be like easy daily lessons that by the end of this five-day challenge, it makes you want to sign up for my Facebook marketing course. And it's kind of like an entree into a bigger offering. So that's the sort of thing that I think um, is an easy thing to employ that, um, would draw people in where you're not just, you're not just doing the traditional, let me pay for social media marketing placements and target the type of people I want to reach. That's fine, but that's, that's what everybody's doing. So it gets lost. Um, you're more effective if you go to pockets of fans you already have or communities that you're already tapped into and then engage them in a way that provides value, get them excited, psychologically hooked and into wanting to participate and achieve more. And then you provide them with the opportunity to engage at an even 
even deeper level. And that's what I think um, organizations really need to do more of. That's why they should hire me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah. it's interesting you, you raise that because we often talk about um, a sort of a virtuous cycle between, you know, content marketing or experience marketing and then, you know, actual uh, uh, educational experiences or more formal educational experiences. Because, I mean, usually in that content marketing, most most effective content marketing or experience type marketing tends to be educational. I mean, there, there may be an entertainment component to it as well. Um, but but particularly when you're in the world of like uh, trade and professional associations and, and people are trying to advance their careers, that sort of thing, uh, there's often going to be an educational uh, component or can be an educational component to the, the content. And then you pull them into that more formal learning experience. And then oftentimes, you know, the, the content that's part of that more formal experience is is great uh, fodder for additional content marketing, you know, so you can, you kind of keep getting this, this nice loop um, that uh, as you're noting, you know, probably, uh, well, I know enough organizations are, are not really taking advantage of uh, right now. Now, actually related to that point, I mean, uh, another topic that I wanted to be sure to address with you in this podcast is uh, I think is essentially a, a a shining example of uh, educational content marketing kind of blending with formal education. And that's uh, a, a course on digital strategy for associations that, um, that you've been developing with NextThought, uh, which of course is a, a learning management system uh, platform provider uh, focused on associations. Um, and this is part of their Associations Next initiative. So can you tell us a little bit about that uh, that digital strategy for associations online course? Kind of, you know, what, what do you cover in that? Yeah, uh, working with NextSot has been great. You know, I have I've been developing online courses about digital media for different different uh, groups like Media Bistro. And- York and um, serving as a mentor for Coursera, uh, Coursera specialization in SEO in the past. And and so I had had experience uh, working with groups before and developing this type of content. And it's been unique in working with them because right away uh, they put me in touch with uh, Dr. Jay Strickland. That's their head of learning design and education. And it was all about mapping out the instruction, the instructional design, which was a piece that I had never really participated in, um, in developing any of this other stuff. So I have to say that I just wanted to put that out there that, Mm. that while there are a lot of online courses, you could go to Udemy, you could go to all all kinds of different places to get, uh, different types of learning. Um, this one's really, uh, high quality and well thought out. And I think that that was, a differentiator for me and why I wanted to get involved. But uh, the digital strategy uh, course is really kind of an essentials uh, for any association executive marketing pro who wants to make sure that they know what they need to know about uh, digital strategy in a world where things have changed pretty dramatically, especially in the past like year. So um, things, it, it covers everything from what you need to know about changes that have been made in SEO and how that can affect your website's ranking to community building. So um, the digital strategy course, I, I'm pretty proud of it. And I think that it's, it's, it's an exciting thing. You're going to cover your bases if you, if you check it out. And, uh, 
I think any 501c organization, I think you should definitely make all of your marketing people <laughs> check it out uh, on the next thought platform. Yeah. Well, and, and I want to uh, touch a little bit more on the whole instructional design element there and the, and the platform itself in just a minute. But um, I, I, I am curious, uh, you mentioned, you know, any 501C should, should check this out. Are there aspects of, of digital strategy that, um, that you see as, as different for associations? Because obviously this course is for associations. I mean, is there something different you would tell those organizations, you know, as opposed to your average small business or your average corporation? Yeah, let me tell you. So, okay. Um, it's hard to generalize because as you know, not all 501Cs are the same. So whether it's a trade organization, professional society, charity, some type, some other type of group, they all face these unique dynamics with their mission. I feel like I have to do the 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 caveat there, right? But if I had to generalize, associations are a little bit different in that they tend to be more risk averse. And some industries and trade associations in particular have to be um, extremely careful because they represent an entire industry like banking, for example. And so these... Um, these trendy notions that are kind of sexy, that it's like the lean startup methodology, experimenting, making small bets, all of these things that a lot of us, I feel, have have adopted and brought into the way that we just do business. We're used to, to trying new things. We're used to, to having to check out things and move and learn quickly. Um, these things are not as simple necessarily for associations. And so a lot of times um, they need or want to have some kind of best practices put in place or some sort of example of, of why this is not going to crash and burn for them when they try something new with technology um, in their digital strategy. This is especially important looking at the way they communicate online. It's not as easy to navigate. And so I think the speed of change takes a hit many times for associations. And here we are in this day of, of asking the air for answers. You know, I can ask my uh, A-L-E-X-A device uh, for mm -hmm. what, the, what the time is, uh, when the next game's going to play, uh, the definition for rhinoceros. But um you know, they can't change quickly enough to to adapt so that in a lot of cases, so that they can respond as quickly. And and I think they're changing and I think that will change. But many companies and probably most associations just aren't ready for that kind of quick response. And I think through things like chatbots and AI and um through voice, you know, we're 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 sort of navigating that change now. That's interesting. We, we see similar things. And I, I love to your, uh, the phrase you use there, uh, asking the air. I, I don't think I'd heard that before, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> definitely, that definitely describes it, doesn't it? Um, and uh, I, I also heard you spell out Alexa, which made me wonder if you have an Alexa sitting there that's going to hear you I say do. Alexa. Yeah. <laughs> <I> <laughs> that's funny. That's yeah. funny. One of, the, one of those uh, yeah, postmodern problems to have, I guess, uh, that you have yeah. to... Be careful about saying Alexa's name. So you, um, before we honed in on associations, you were talking about 
going through the instructional design process with this uh, course, and in my mind, that does actually link back to associations because we've we've asked over the years um, whether organizations are making use of professional instructional design, whether that's you know somebody on staff uh, at an association who has a you know a degree or a credential in instructional design, or whether it's an outside consultant, and we've seen it grow some. Um, but it's still only around, I believe, you know, maybe 50 percent of organizations that actually are using a, you know, a, a formal professional type instructional design process and developing their online education um, in particular. You know, next thought, it sounds like uh, applied that. And it's funny, I'd been thinking, you know, the course is a great way to, to showcase their platform. But but obviously, it's also showcasing the fact that they can do instructional design and, and development, you know, and, and create very uh, high quality content. I mean, what do you think that instructional design process uh, added uh, to the course from your perspective that maybe you just that you haven't gotten um, when you've when you've done other courses? Well, I'll tell you exactly what it gave me. So a SME, you know, when you when you come in and you are asked to be the expert in um, an area and teach on a subject that doesn't mean that you know the best way for people to learn. And it was so refreshing to um, come in and have, these are the components I want to teach. These are the things I think people should know if they're going to, you know, have the essentials, have the foundation of a quality digital strategy for any association. This is what they need to know. That I could do. Mm-hmm. What I what I didn't necessarily what I what I didn't necessarily know was the best way to get through to them, um, to the learner, so that all types of learners would learn and and be engaged. And you know, I've had the good fortune of being able to go and um, do a lot of presentations and train. And I and I, you know, I feel like I'm pretty good at doing that thing. But when it comes to this instructional design element, you know, working with somebody who's an expert, there's just nothing like it because they bring in, um, well, they bring in the expertise where they can say, okay, I, I really love this material, Kiki, but what do you think um, would would be the best way for those people to really um, know that they've that they've learned it and can apply what you're trying to teach. And it may seem like a simple question, but then being able to offer all these suggestions um, as to the way that I could approach it, I might think of three different ways I could do it. And, you know, Jay had like 12, (laughs) you know, like different ways I could go about it. And um, it definitely made it a better made it a better product in the end. It made it a better learning product because I think it's so much more effective than it would have been if I would have just relied on what I knew or what my experience was compared to, you know, what, what her knowledge is where, you know, that's, that's her expertise. And she, she was able to help me then go in and, um, just make it really, really good. And so, uh, I think that that's the difference. You know, I, I definitely learned something from working with somebody who was focused in instructional design and, and we definitely ended up with a different product as a result of it. I love that question. You know, how will you know they've learned? I mean, it's such, it's a simple, but just so fundamental and powerful. And I mean, really any type of learning experience you're creating, 
you just have to be asking that again and again and, and making sure that you're you're able to answer it clearly and 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 that you can guide the learner to demonstrating that they that they have learned uh, in, right. in the way that, uh, that that you've determined. So that's fantastic. Um, any anything else? I mean, you you've just been through this experience and you've been through other experiences of uh, of working with an organization in this case a company uh, to create a, a course. I mean, what what tips do you have for any of our listeners when when they're working with subject matter experts? What can they do to get the most out of you um, and to make sure that, you know, that the that what gets created in the end? And that might be an online course or it might be a conference session. But what's going to, you know, help you make it uh, the the best that it can be? So I I I think that from from my experience, I would say that anyone who wants to get a better experience for the learner and for the subject matter expert they should approach they should approach that person and um, and and with plenty of time <laughs> mm. le- leading up to the thing that you're trying to cr- to produce they should approach that person and really get clear on on exactly that like what is it what is what is it that that um, the learner is supposed to learn what's the best way to communicate that how will you know? And um, and to offer up support in ways to make that better. I think I think so many of us, so many organizations, are just happy to get to to identify who those subject matter experts are. That a lot of times um, the care and feeding of them to make sure that the the end result, that the learning result um, that comes from it, that that kind of falls by the wayside. And it's totally understandable how it happens, right? However, when you start thinking about um, what what people think when they leave, what what the learner thinks as they leave, it's not it's not a good look for the the subject matter expert. Nor is it a good look for the organization um, that's putting it on if they're not going after the just the best quality that they can have. And so I would say that time and effort in really trying to discern what the most valuable pieces of knowledge are, um, just getting very clear on that and figuring out the best way to communicate that um, and supporting it, that, that's absolutely what has to happen. And it's not necessarily easy for the subject matter expert, and it's not necessarily easy for the organization. But um, I think that simplification process is the hard work of it, and uh, maybe cutting out a lot of material that just is too much, you know? Definitely, definitely. It's, you know, I think it falls in that it's simple, um, but as you said, it's not easy. Uh, to, right. to to really get at the, the most effective stuff and, and get it down to what's essential. So that that that's very helpful for me to hear, and I'm sure um, very helpful for listeners as well. I'd like to switch gears a, a little bit at this point, though, because as I mentioned at the beginning, um, you know, you're a podcaster, uh, and and it's great to you know I always like having other podcasters on on the podcast. I feel like it's you know getting the tribe together, uh, basically, but. Um, I'd love to hear your perspective on on podcasting at this point because it, it, I feel like podcasting has enjoyed a little bit of a renaissance uh, lately. Um, there seems to be some momentum uh, 
behind it uh, again, uh, and everybody's you know jumping in and starting podcasts. Um, I mean, what what do you find compelling about podcasting, and are you are you bullish on it as a, a medium? <laughs> Yes. Okay. So I completely agree. I think that, um, I love, I love podcasting and it's fascinating to me. Podcasting, uh, for me, I, I had a more practical utilitarian type of approach when I first started with podcasting because I had, my, my purpose was really in trying to communicate um, these interviews and and these lessons with as many people as possible. So um, I jumped from doing a tweet chat with association chat to a live streamed interview. And the best way that I could continue to reach more people would be to then convert that to audio that would then go out in a podcast and people, no matter what medium you were using, you could, you could, get this right. And so I would slap on an intro and outro and it was pretty much just the way it was. Right. And, and it's been like that for, for a couple of years, three years actually. And, um, but I have found that, uh, I'm moving into a more artistic and sort of, um, a more human approach where I think I will ultimately enjoy it more. And I think so will the listeners. And the reason why is because, um, you know, I used to grow up with these recordings of old radio shows when I was a kid, like Fibber McGee and Molly and the shadow and all of this stuff, they were on tapes and I would listen to them and I was just fascinated. And what I see now with so many really, truly amazing podcasts, um, it's a renaissance of story, you know? Mm. And so it's, it's, we might be going through the mo- an intense time as a nation facing all kinds of drama and questions about, you know, how our society is going to choose to collectively interpret our world around this. But, but the, the staggering number of really well-told stories being produced right now is so inspiring. I've, I, when I was a kid, aside from these like old radio shows, it was hard to find this many great stories happening all the time. And I, I just pick a a podcast and start listening to it. And it's amazing. So rich in storytelling that it's inspiring. And so because that's changed me and what I see being done I find that now I'm I'm taking more ownership of the artistry of storytelling and and trying to apply that to more of my podcasts too, you know, to to and you'll see it. Like if you if you listen to Association Chat, if anybody's out, you know, out there is listening to this and they listen to Association Chat, you'll know that that's been changing and um I play with the format, I'm playing with the editing. I'm interjecting now and adding my two cents, you know, after, you know, a few minutes go in, um, so that there's more of a transition and it is more of a process and, and, uh, a more enjoyable and hopefully meaningful experience for people who are listening. So yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think podcasts are, are definitely, um, not only popular and becoming more popular, but they are there's something there with the storytelling that is just uh, beautiful. And 
it can seem very dark sometimes, I think, when we look around and we start to wonder if, you know, um, if the bots are going to take, take over <laughs> everything and AI and I'm asking the air and the lights, I can't, can't, I'm controlling lights by, uh, you know, just by my voice and who am I? Suddenly we're all so insignificant, but then the power of story comes in and at the end of the day, we can still sit in a dark room and a really good story is, is the thing that will, that will inspire so. Well, I don't, I don't know about listeners, but I certainly feel more motivated and inspired now when it comes to uh, <laughs> the podcasting. That was great. I, I had, uh, I, I think probably uh, unconsciously, I, I've thought in terms of, you know, as you said, story and, and artistry, um, uh, but but not as consciously as, as probably I, I should. And and uh, and you know, we certainly strive to bring that to what we do with podcasting. But I think now I'm, I'm, I'm inspired and motivated to do that even more. So, uh, thank you. Thank you for that, Kiki. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, as somebody who has been doing this for a while, I always like, always like to ask podcasters when they're on, I mean, do you have any, you know, tips, lessons, warnings, whatever it is for, for anybody who's maybe sitting there thinking, well, maybe we should start a podcast. I'm, I'm not sure. Oh yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, what, what do they need to know about what they're getting into? I think that they need to know it's going to take more time than they think. (laughs) Mm, Amen. Um, and I think that, uh, a really good, a really good lesson that I learned, um, about anything, whether it's podcasting or blogging, uh, is that consistency is key. Mm. So, um, you know, I've been more consistent with association chat than I have any exercise routine. Uh, maybe, maybe if you, um, you know, want to jump in and start doing podcasting, start thinking about what is, what is something that people will find the most value and find the most meaning in and what is something that you can commit to being consistent with. Um, I can tell you, uh, long form one hour interviews every week are not easy to be consistent with. So maybe, maybe start somewhere else, but, um, you know, maybe start with a flash briefing and you could do micro podcasting and you could come up with a tip a week or something Mm. like that and do short form content that you can learn more about editing and, and things like that as you get as you get going, even if you hire somebody for editing, you still need to learn enough about what goes into it so that you can produce on a regular basis and you can, you can produce quickly. So yeah, good, good advice. And, and we'll make sure that we link to your podcast and to your flash briefing so people can uh, get that as an example. Cause uh, you're right. You know, I, I think when people start podcasting, they're just like, I, you know, I'll just schedule some interviews. That'll make it easy. I'll just talk, uh, talk to other people. They'll have to talk and, you know, then I'll, I'll have the content, but, you know, finding the right people, conducting interviews that are actually worth listening to. Uh, mm-hmm. and as you said, you know, doing it week in and week out, it, it's, you know, it can be a heavy lift. So you definitely have to be prepared for that if you're going to, if you're going to go that route. So, 
Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, again, I'm I'm feeling motivated, inspired, and inspired after that uh, that last bit there. I, I have throughout uh, talking about instructional design also kind of gets me uh, motivated because we don't have enough conversation about that. So, really appreciate um, your coming on the show. But uh, but before we wrap up, I want to ask you what's kind of our our money question. Uh, what we basically ask everybody who comes on the show, and this is focused on your personal learning and um, specifically what we ask is uh, what's one of the most powerful learning experiences that you've been involved in as an adult since finishing your formal education? Uh, You know, so heads up to everybody who is listening to this. I, they gave me a heads up on this question and um, thank you, by the way. Um, the honest, so I want to be super honest, uh, in my response. And that is that honestly, the, the most powerful learning experience I've been involved in as an adult since finishing my formal education, um, it, it had to be with overcoming some of the challenging times in my life. You know, it's the mm-hmm. stuff that you pick up when you're putting one foot in front of the other and you're just taking it a step at a time. But I think that the most, uh, helpful thing that I want to tell people who are listening to this, um, to your audience, is that right now I've gotten to a point, and I don't know if it's an age thing or just where where I am in my life, but I'm finding myself um, connecting with other people, uh, forming groups of people who are dedicated to learning. And this is not just learning in like uh, a sport or something like that, but it's actually a group that is focused on that you choose, you know, you're choosing this thing, this path to learn more and, um, regular purposeful learning to push outside of our comfort zones and to get into the good stuff, the really deep learning that we're looking for. And so I think probably the most helpful thing I can say as a response to your question is that the most powerful learning experience that I've been involved in as an adult, as, as an adult beyond overcoming challenging things that we all face, you know, um, has been this purposeful looking to um, come together as a group with other people who are also focused on learning. And that that has been something that has uh, personally challenged me in a good way, a positive way, so that um, it goes beyond my career choice. It goes beyond my expertise in areas. And it, it allows me to have a dedication to learning, um, and continuing to explore this world around us. And, and I think that that, that's probably the most value I can give in, in that answer. And I love that. Um, and just, to, to make sure I'm understanding or to provide some more specifics for listeners. I mean, is this, are you meeting in, in person with a group of people? Is it an online thing? Are you coming up with a, a, a topic or just a, a general range of interest and in, in, so, in engaging on those? Or? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. This, so this group uh, I meet with, and it's not even people who I knew super well. It was all people who were chosen based on traits or qualities. Um, they were, you know, the person who kind of brought us all together they need to be innovative thinkers and people who want to learn, you know, had this, the same sort of qualities, but from all different walks of life. Right. And, uh, we came together and 
we choose a different focus. And this first choice is to, um, or this first month, we're focusing on uh, challenging the rough edges, the um, the areas in our lives that are that you know the messy areas that we know we need to push past in order to uh, do the thing we need to do. And so that can mean different things for different people. There's a photographer in our group, and uh, he is that's sort of his side gig. And he is looking at this challenge of um, photography for fighters. You know, he goes and he photographs fighters and at least boxers. And, um, you know, for him, it is all about getting outside of his comfort zone. And he's challenging himself um, to do, you know, to learn more about that particular area. Whereas my area was, is I've been talking about doing, um, writing a book for three years called Why Weird is Better. And I've told people about this book. I've researched it. It's procrastination in the form of research. Mm. And I haven't done anything uh, with writing it until I committed, right? And I said, it's the messy edges. It's the it's the rough stuff that like where I'm like, I don't feel comfortable with the messiness of getting in the thick of it and doing the writing. And so we're all just forcing ourselves to sort of investigate what that means. Um, and somebody else wanted to explore a different topic for the, the next month. And so it's fascinating because the only thing that's like holding us all together really um, is this desire t- to learn and to push into new new areas. So... Wow, I love I love that, um, and I you know, and I know that sort of thing goes on informally and formally all over the place. But I, I believe you're the first person to to, to bring that in in response to uh, the the question that we ask on the show. So thanks thanks so much for sharing that. Uh, I think that too will be inspiring to listeners. And um, speaking of our listeners, uh, I know that uh, uh, there are going to be probably many who are going to want to find out more about you potentially connect with you. Um, so where should they go to do those things? Yeah, you should definitely go to associationchat.com. Um, that's the online home for everything association chat related. Uh, you can find the podcast information about the flash briefing there, uh, information about guests and, um, all kinds of stuff. And then amplifygrowth.net is my digital consulting firm and you can go to amplifygrowth.net. Uh, for more information about that. Well, great. Well, Kiki, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time to be on Leading Learning. Oh, thank you so much, Jeff. That's our interview with Kiki Latalian. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 152. And when you check out the show notes, you'll also see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, we'd be truly grateful if you would subscribe. It really helps us just know that uh, we're doing the right thing and get some data about the impact of what we're doing. We'd also be grateful if you would take a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. You can go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes, and that will put you in the right place. 
Jeff and I personally appreciate your rating and review, but even more importantly, reviews and ratings play a really important role in helping the podcast crop up when would-be listeners are searching for content on learning and leading. So consider leaving a rating and a review for the Leading Learning Podcast, and maybe that can be one of your kind acts of the day. And as another kind act of the day, we'd be grateful if you'd take a minute to visit associationsnext.com. We put a lot of effort into the Leading Learning Podcast, and one of the main reasons we're able to do that is because of the support of sponsors. So please visit associationsnext.com, where you'll have the chance to learn and to experience the Next Thought LMS in action. And of course, while you're there, you can also enroll for free in Kiki Latalian's Digital Strategy Course. And finally, please consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, or if tweeting isn't your thing, pick the social network or other medium of your preference and spread the good word. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.